0: Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Thank you for being here. Let me give a special welcome to my friends in the balcony. I sometimes don't speak to you. Good morning, balcony. How y'all doing? And good morning to those watching online. We are so excited that you decided to join family as we open up God's Word. And if I do not know you, my name is Nick, and it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to open up God's Word and see what He has for us today last week pastor brady started this conversation about battle of the sexes and he gave us a great working definition of what it means to be a man and he said often this is what boys do but this is what men do and it was a great start to the conversation of this battle that has been raged because of the brokenness and because of sin and it's been good to remind us of who we really are Today, we're going to get the opportunity to talk about our chief identifier, what makes us all who we are. We're going to talk about womanhood next week, and I have to make this confession as I was listening to Pastor Brady last week and as I've been navigating this week, I've been listening to a lot of boys to man in my playlist, (laughs) y'all. A lot of a lot of Motown Philly into the road. Come on, y'all. I'm like, yeah, boy's to man, let's go. And it's been a reminder for me that I have been called to a chief calling that we've all been called into, that we all get to walk in. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we will walk away from this place. And know who we are and what we have been called to do and how to live. And if we do that, I really believe that we will navigate this life so much better and so differently. So before we dive in, let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you have invited us to be a part of your story. Lord, may we remember that it's not all about us, but it's all about a king who is at work about a king who has created a creation that he made intentionally to reflect himself. And Father, my prayer for us is that after this time we spend together, that we can better navigate what it means to follow you and to walk in our true identity. And so, Father, thank you for calling us. Thank you for loving us. And I pray that you open up our eyes and our heart to what you have for us today. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name, amen. So we're going to start with a question. The question is this. So what's the point? Why are you and I here? What is our chief calling? Why did God intentionally make each and every one of us? Before we discover what that is and why we have been created, there's a couple things we need to understand. The first thing is this. We are created. You were made by a creator on purpose and with an intention. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. But God intentionally made you and created you to bring about his purposes and display his goodness. The other truth I do not like. We are not the point. I like to think very often that it's all about me and that the world revolves around Nick. But something that I'm learning is it doesn't. And typically when I'm given evidence that the world does not revolve around me and I am not the point, it bothers me. I'm reminded chiefly of this in traffic. If you cut me off in traffic, I think to myself, do you not know who you just cut off? (laughs) Apparently you don't know who's in this Corolla rolling. (laughs) And sometimes even at a restaurant, if I don't get my service as fast as I think it should, I'm thinking to myself, do they not know who they bring the food to? Those chicken tenders were made for me. And a lot of times I get reminders all the time that I am not the point. We are not the point. We are a part of what God is doing, but it's not all about us. God is the point. See, sometimes we think, oh, that seems like a lesser story. No, it's a greater story. Because when we recognize what this life is all about and who it is all about, it frees us up to live differently. The fact that it's not all about us, but it's all about him, that's a better narrative to live and that's a better story to tell of King Jesus who came in pursuit of us even though we failed, even though we chose our own way, and he redeemed us and called us to down at his table so that we can reflect him. That's a greater story to tell. God is the point. We are not the point. And we're going to see what our chief identity is, and we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 1. So I encourage you to turn there or click on your phone or whatever it is you do to read God's word. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So here is our chief identity and here's who we are. Male and female are both image bearers. Whose image do we bear? The image of a king, the image of God the creator. When God was making you, he was making himself and reflecting himself through his creation. You are someone who bears the image of God. What a high calling. God chose you to reflect him to this world, and he didn't choose you on accident. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't like he was like, oh, I got nobody else to reflect me. Let me do it this way. No, intentionally, you were created to bear the image of the king, to bear the image of God. What a high calling that is. God has called both male and female to reflect him and his goodness. That is a better calling than anything we can give ourselves. And he did it intentionally. For years and years, theologians have called this thought of us being image bearers, the Latin for what they call it is this, imago Dei. It means the image of God. So in the count of three, we're going to say it together so you can sound really smart at lunch today or when you go to work, all right? On count three, one, two, three, Imago Day. You guys are so smart. Look at y'all. Y'all so smart. But listen to me. If we can truly understand that we have been called and our chief calling is to reflect the image of God, and that is his intention for each and every one of us, it changes everything. Because this is a higher calling and this is a higher Identity. You have been called, both male and female, equally to display the goodness and the majesty of a king. That was the intention. That is the calling upon your life. And if you're sitting there, you're thinking, man, why am I here? The reason you are here is to reflect the good father who made you intentionally and has allowed you to bear his image. That is who you are. He has set you in place to rule this world, to reflect to this world who he is. And he has given us dominion. He has allowed us to lead. He has allowed us to partake in what he is doing. That is who you are. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. Think about that for a second. You are the masterpiece in which God has made. That is who you are. Which is pretty amazing when you look around, because God made some pretty amazing things. Think about a lion for a second, y'all. I don't know if you've ever accidentally got caught watching National Geographic. You know what I mean? You're like flipping through the channels, and you see that limping and wildebeest, and you're like, oh, you about to go down, sucker. You know what I'm talking about? And you see the lion, like, just like prowling around, and he has his hair. And you're like, man, if I had hair like that, praise God. But anyways, he's prowling around, and he just looks majestic. And you go, man, that lion is pretty amazing. But the lion is not the chief or the pinnacle of God's creation. You and I are. Think about this. I remember looking at a whale shark at the aquarium in Atlanta. Whale shark is amazing. I remember standing at the glass and just looking up at it and just going, whoa, because it's majestic and it's amazing. But even the whale shark is not the pinnacle of God's creation. You and I are that pinnacle of creation. You can think about a sloth. Actually, that's a bad illustration. (laughs) I don't know why I want to be a sloth. But but just think about this. Like, God intentionally made you last so you could reflect the bestness of himself. You are the pinnacle of God's image. God had great intention when he made you. That is whom you have been called to be. Don't don't paint the picture less than because God has called you to be more than you could ever hope or imagine. Maybe it is time for you to believe what God has said about you, and he has designed you to bear his image. And you might be thinking, but Nick, I don't agree with you. Can I just tell you something in the most respectful way that I can? Even if you don't agree with me, it doesn't make it any less true. Because God says, I'm creating them in my image. In my image, I am making them. God has told us the intention. God has told us our identity. Maybe it's time where we just begin to believe. That if he says that we bear his image, that we are imago Dei, that we are made in the image of God, that we are his masterpiece in which he is making and refining and making more like himself, maybe it is time for us to believe him. This keeps going. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Did y'all notice what God said about his creation in verse 31? It said that it was good. He is talking about you and I. He has created us, and he has made us in his image, and we are good because based on what we are made to bear and to reflect, you are good. See, some of us go, well, God, I don't believe that I'm good. Lord, I've made too many mistakes. God, I, I'm not living up to my calling. God, I've, my past is what defies me. Can I just tell you that you are good? Why? Not because you're good enough in and of yourself, but because of what your Father says about you. You are good. And don't believe the lie that God makes junk. As I used to hear in the church I grew up in, God doesn't make no junk, everybody. He does not. Don't you dare call his creation and his intentional making and his masterpiece junk. You don't have the authority to call yourself junk because you weren't created to be junk and he said you were good. Maybe it is time that you and I start believing what he says about us. And I get it. There's all kind of data, our sin, our brokenness, our failures. We all want to hold that up and say, "Oh, no, this is who I am." But your Father says, "No, no, no. I created you in my image. I created you to reflect me." He has called men and women to be viceroys. And you might go, "Nick, what the heck is a viceroy?" Here's what a viceroy is. I looked it up on dictionary.com so I know it's true. <laughs> a viceroy is a ruler Exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. Let me say that again. A viceroy is a ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. We are those rulers who are exercising authority in light of our sovereign king, God. That is who you are, that's your calling, that's the position and the place you have been given, not based on you, but based on the king. The king is the only one to decide who's going to represent him and carry out authority and represent him as a sovereign. That is who you are. You are a viceroy. You are a representation of the king, leading and loving in reflection of who God has called you to be. That is who you are. You are a viceroy called by a sovereign king to represent him in this world and display his goodness and to display his majesty. So what does that mean for us truly to display and to walk in this calling that he has given each and every one of us? What does that mean that we are equally called, that we've been called equally to rule? What does that mean? It says this in Galatians chapter 3 verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. Because we are made in the image of God, we have been equally justified by faith. Why have we been equally justified? Because we are equally fallen male and female, black and white, rich and poor, we have all failed to live up to the standard in which God has called us to. So we are equally justified through the power of the cross. You have been made right through Jesus. That is who you are. You have been made right because the price has been paid on the cross and death has been overcome through the resurrection. You have been equally justified. That is who you are. Verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Not only have we been equally justified, but check this out, we are equally free. Now, maybe y'all didn't hear what I just said. That's a good place to amen. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Let me, <laughs> like, understand something. We have all Chase after what we thought was best. We have all disobeyed and run after things of our own. And because of that, there is a sin debt that was owed because of our choices. And God being good and God being loving did not allow that to stand. No. He came up with a rescue plan, and the rescue plan was him. He stepped out of glory, put on some flesh, and lived perfectly for 33 years. Yes, 33 years. I can't go a day without sinning, but this brother went 33 years. Why? Because the lamb had to be unblemished. If he had sinned, he wouldn't have been the unblemished lamb. But because of his calling and because of who he was, he lived perfectly for 33 years. And do you know how we celebrated that perfect life? We said, you know what? We don't like you. You're not who you say you are. And so we put him under judgment. And we said, you are claiming to be God in flesh. That will not do. And so we chose to crucify the Savior King on a cross. And I've heard people say that we killed Jesus. Let me go ahead and remind us right now. We are not able to kill Jesus. Jesus surrendered his life willingly because the creator cannot be killed by its creation. He surrendered his life willingly. Why? So that you could fully step into the calling on your life. Because without that, you could never fully get back to what was intended. But through him surrendering his life, he made a way where there was no way. And the first day that he was in the grave, his followers thought, man, I thought he was something different. I thought he was the savior of the world. I thought he was the promised Messiah. Then day two came along and his followers got weary. They they went to themselves, I thought he was going to set us free from sin and bondage. And we know what happened the third day, don't we church? He got up and he said, death, where is your sting? Death, I'm leaving you in the grave. I'm burying you with sin because now the keys to the kingdom have been unlocked and I'm the one holding the key. And now you Are free. I'm telling you, to live as free is a much better way to live. When you see people who have been granted freedom, they don't know what to do themselves. Like, whoa, I'm free. That means all that was held against me has been answered and paid in full. I am free. Can I just tell you, it is a much better way to live, to live as a free people than to live as an enslaved people? And for me, there are times. Where I will go put the shackles of sin back on myself and walk around as if I am enslaved by sin. But can I just tell you those shackles aren't locked because they've been unlocked through the sacrifice of Jesus. You are free. We are equally free through the price that was paid on a cross and his resurrection three days later. Verse 26. For in Christ Jesus... You are all sons of God through faith. Now, I know some of you ladies are thinking, I'm a daughter of the king. Hold on. Calm down. (laughs) See, this term, when it says sons, it's Greek for weos. What it implies is a legal term meaning that we, as sons of God, get the full inheritance of a kingdom. Based on our father and based on the king, he has given us full inheritance. So we all are sons of the inheritance because of what we get because of him. So we all are sons of God. Yes, you are a daughter of the king. Yes, you are a son of the king. But I want you to understand that legally, because the debt has been paid, you get the full inheritance of the kingdom. It has been answered and satisfied through the price that Jesus paid on the cross. See, it wasn't accidentally written. Like, Paul didn't accidentally write sons. He wasn't trying to leave anybody out. No, he was just saying, especially for the context where women were looked down upon at this time, he said, no, we are all equally allowed the inheritance because of what Christ has done through the cross. Very good news. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you all are one in Christ. See, Paul is not downplaying where people are from. He's not downplaying their gender. What he is doing is he is elevating the call of Christ. He is elevating who we are in Christ. He's saying, listen, our chief identifiers is not where we're from. It's not our gender, and it's not even the color of our skin or how much money's in the bank. Our chief identifier is Jesus. We have been clothed in Jesus. And so that's what we brag about. That's what we tell people about. Listen, I used to be broken. I used to be, I used to be dead in my sins, but Christ intersected my story and he allowed me to put on his righteousness. So that's what I'm going to brag about. We have been equally clothed in Christ it reminds me of Oprah back in the day you get a car you get a car you get a car you get Jesus fully you get Jesus fully put him on and walk in that you get to put on the righteousness of God through the surrender of Jesus on a cross that is what we hold up and that is what we walk in you get to walk in the righteousness of a king you didn't earn it he freely gave it all you have to do is accept the clothing That is who you are. And I get it. Like Nick, but sometimes I don't live that way. Just because there are times where your life doesn't reflect who you are doesn't mean that that evidence is true. The evidence that is true is that your sin has been nailed to a cross and dealt with, and you are clothed in Christ. Verse 29. And if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are equally possessed by Christ. Think of it this way. Have this picture in your head of Jesus holding you, all of us. He's possessing us. He has us in his grasp and in his grip. And listen, if Jesus has you in his grip and in his grasp, there is nothing that can take you out of that. You are fully secure, not because you have a grip on him, but because he has a grip on you. And it kind of reminds me of this. I have a four-year-old son. His name is Nash. And he really loves Hot Wheel cars right now. He loves them. And Nash has these, a couple of monster truck Hot Wheel cars. And he likes to really leave them on the floor in the middle of the night and show his daddy where his sanctification truly is. But anyways. (laughs) But there are times when I look at Nash and I go, hey, Nash, can I have one of those cars? And he goes, no. And I go, well, why not? He says, because they are mine. See, he doesn't have a loose grip on this one and a tighter grip on this one. No, no. His grip is firm on both of them. Why? Because they are his. See, he has an equal grip on you. Why? Because you are his. And you're held in a grasp that nothing can touch you because who can stand against our king? Nobody. Not death nor life nor storms, nor calm can stand in the way of the love of Christ. You are held. We are equally possessed by God through Christ. You're held. You are possessed by him. We are equally heirs to the promise to Abraham. You don't get more share of a kingdom because of this, or you don't get more share of a kingdom than this. Because you are Christ, we are equal heirs to the promise of Abraham. We are a part of what God has fulfilled, where we will outnumber the stars in the sky. That is you and I. We are equal heirs to the kingdom of God because we have been made in his image and called according to his purposes and his good work because of what Jesus has done. That is who we are. We are heirs to the kingdom of God. And yet so often, so many of us like to remind God why he shouldn't offer us grace, why he shouldn't offer us mercy, Why do we think that we need to give the one who wrote history a history lesson? God is fully aware of your frailty and your depravity and your lostness. You don't have to remind him. Because while yet you were still a sinner, you know what he did? He died for you anyways. So you didn't bring anything to the table. He did it all. Why? Because he loves you and you are his. But yet so often... We like to say, God, this is why I'm not called according to your purposes. This is why I cannot be who you called me to be. Why don't we just believe what God already said about us and what he died to prove that we have been called and that he loves us? My friend Bob Goff, I'm going to call him my friend because he emails me now. (laughs) He says it this way. The canvas doesn't tell the artist what to paint. Let me say that again for some of you. Let me say it again for me. The canvas doesn't tell the artist what to paint. I have been so guilty of trying to take the paintbrush and to paint the canvas of my life, and it never works out. Maybe it's time that I allow the artist to finish his masterpiece, and I just go along with what he says. Maybe it is time that we recognize Whom our Father has called us to be, what He desires to do, and allow Him to do that. See, maybe some of us are thinking, but Nick, yeah, we were His masterpiece, but that was before the fall. That was before sin entered the world. Can I just tell you, He still allowed us to be the masterpiece through what His Son Jesus did on a cross. It says this in 2 Corinthians, verse 20 of chapter 5. Verse 17 of chapter 5, sorry. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, anyone, anyone who has said yes to the invitation to dine at the king's table, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What kind of creation? It doesn't say broke down creation. It doesn't say limp in creation. It says a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, here's what I love about God. What he says is true. How do we know what he says is true? Just look to the resurrection. He said, listen, you're going to think that I was defeated. You're going to think that we had lost. But I'm telling you, the Savior of the world on the third day is going to get up. Everybody, newsflash, the tomb is empty. God keeps his promises. Let me say it again. God keeps his promises. My former pastor says this, if the resurrection is true, then everything God has said about you is true. News flash, tomb is still empty. If you go to the Holy Land looking for Jesus, I got something to tell you. He ain't there. Why? Because he got up. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He held the keys to the grave up and said, listen, I have paid for this in full. So you can believe me in what I say about you because I keep my promises. I'm not going to lie about this thing and tell the truth about this thing. What I say is true. Look to the cross, but look to the resurrection. Just because sometimes the data on the table might speak otherwise, no, the death is still defeated and death is in its grave, and I've overcome the grave. And so you are who I say you are. Verse 20. Therefore, in light of what Christ has done through an old rugged cross and his resurrection over that, we are ambassadors for Christ. Let that marinate for a second. See, so you might go, ah, oh, Nick, that just is so hard for me to believe. Believe it because the tomb is empty. Believe it because he paid a high cost so that it is true. God making his appeal through us. We are Imago Dei. We are the image bearers of the king. He is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. I love this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen. You are the righteousness of God through Jesus. Listen, that's not something we're prideful about because we didn't do anything to earn that because you can't earn something that's free. It's something that has been given if you're willing to accept it. You have put on the righteousness of God. That is what defines you. You are the righteousness of God. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are much more. You are the image of the living God. And I think sometimes when we just call ourselves sinners saved by grace, we live that way. We live the same old broke-down lives because, well, I'm just a sinner. No! Through Jesus, you're his ambassador, and you put on his righteousness because he made him who knew no sin, sin, so that you could be the righteousness of God. I'm telling you, if we walk in that, we walk differently, don't we? We don't walk in the same patterns of our past behavior. We don't walk in the same light of our sin. Why? Because of the cross, we can walk in a new way with a new direction because we have put on the righteousness of God. That's who you are. So stop telling God who you are. He's already paid the price to tell you who you are. Maybe it is time for you to believe him. And I get it. There is so much other evidence that wants to force us to walk in another identity. But that is not who you are. And we're going to turn to the pages of Scripture to see what it looks like to bear the image of God well. Because I don't want to give you the why, I don't want to tell you the what without telling you how we walk in this daily. The first ultimate step is saying yes to Jesus. And then we allow his Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, and we start living lives like this. It says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And if you're an underliner, and even if you're not an underliner, I would underline all these verses. I would write them on on an index card and put them in your car. I would write them on the mirror in which you look at every morning. Because we can never hear this too much. Why? Because we forget the very thing we're supposed to remember. Romans 12, verse 9. As image bearers of the king, we let our love be genuine. Why? Because we've been loved with an authentic, genuine love. And in response to the love we have received, it's the love we give. Abhor what is evil. We don't run towards the brokenness. We don't run towards evil things. We run towards the king because that's where we have set our eyes. So we abhor what is evil. We hold fast to what is good. We love one another with brotherly affection, not based on people, but based on our king. We don't love people because they deserve it. We don't love them based on their behavior. We love them based on the way we've been loved by Jesus. So that's how we're able to love with brotherly affection. We outdo one another in show an honor. We're not slothful in zeal, but we are fervent in the spirit and we serve the Lord. Listen, we don't serve the Lord Because we're checking something off of a box. We don't serve the Lord because we're trying to get him to like us more. Can I tell you? He likes you. The evidence, just look at the cross. He he wouldn't have given his son for somebody he didn't like. So we serve the Lord. Why? Because we're responding to the king. We're responding to the love we receive. So we serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. Rejoice in hope. And we're patient in tribulation. Hear me. It is hard sometimes when we can't see the hope, but we know that hope is reigning and ruling and sitting at the right hand of God. We know where our hope comes from. So yes, tribulations will come, but we know that we hold fast to the King. Be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, come on, bless and do not curse them, rejoice, if your enemy is hungry we feed them if he is thirsty we give something to drink for by doing so we will heap burning coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good hear me church you bear the image of a king that's your identity that is what you set your sights on you are not your brokenness you are not what others have said about you you are who god says you are so it is time church to live this thing out, so may we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the one who died for us, the one who is reigning, the one who is inviting invited you, not based on what you have done, but based on his goodness, that is who we are, I invite you, to pray with me, Jesus, 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 thank you for who you are, thank you that we are not our brokenness, that we are not our sin but we bear your image because of Jesus. Lord, may we walk this out, may we live this out, and Lord, we are who you say we are, and may we walk out to that. Let's sing, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.